Okay. <clears throat> Hello. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> today is November the third. <laughs> I feel like I'm answering a test question here. <laughs> 2011. So, uh, let's prepare ourselves in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer, the option of rebound if necessary. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness in providing your word for us. We're so grateful that you change not, nor does your word. You are the solid rock. We can always depend upon you. We pray that you will help us to focus and concentrate this evening, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to continue with getting the gospel right. And I think it's so important to drive home the point that when you ask someone if they believe in Jesus Christ and they say yes, that you not just walk away and think, oh, well, uh, this must be a believer. We gave you the example of Catholics, uh, I think it was last Thursday and Tuesday. And tonight we're going to kind of go in that same direction in a sense. We're going to cover Mormons tonight. I've had a lot of questions about Mormons lately, and I think there's a lot of information, maybe misinformation that people have with regards to Mormons, Mormons will also tell you that they believe in Jesus Christ and that they trust in Him uh, and His work on the cross. And just because they say that, though, does not mean that they are believers in Jesus Christ. Do you remember what you do when you ask someone if they believe in Jesus Christ and they say yes? Yes, you have to ask at least one more question to get the truth, and that is, is that all you have to do to be saved is to believe in Jesus Christ? Then you're going to get what they really think, and you can take it from there. So I'm going to put on the board the Mormons. I'll start with the Mormon example. It's another example of people who profess faith in Jesus Christ, but it's another Jesus Christ, and it's another gospel and it is not the one that saves. So, we'll begin with uh, me putting on my glasses, I guess. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You see, Jesus is even in the name of their church. It's normally known as the Mormon Church. has poured forth great effort over the past several years to be accepted into mainstream Christianity. And I'm talking about colossal effort. They desperately want to be considered part of the mainstream Christianity. Like the Catholics, Mormon will tell you that they believe in Jesus Christ and many people believe that they are just another Christian denomination. Many are attracted to Mormonism because of its strong moral values and its emphasis on family unity and accord. People who are dissatisfied with the moral relativity and liberalism of churches today are drawn drawn to the Mormon church. It's easy for people to become Mormons because they actually have some absolutes. They have some values. You look at their families, and for the most part, they're not dysfunctional. 
they have a lot of good things going on for them with regards to just what people are looking for. I think the masses are getting tired of the moral relativity and the homosexual agenda being pushed and every other thing you can think of. And they would like to go to be part of an organization where they can feel like they are on solid ground morally, that they have good character. That This is something that is certainly a drawing card for the Mormons. Often people join the Mormon church before they begin to learn about its cultic teachings. Cults are, uh, excuse me, courts, cults use sources other than the Bible to support their beliefs. Mormons uh, use the Book of Mormon, Doctrines and Covenants, and a pearl of great price in addition to the Bible. I tell you, that would be a heavy load. I mean, not only literally carrying all these books around, but it's hard enough to digest the Bible because the Bible is... It's a pretty thick book. It's got a lot of, of um, pages in it. But if you had also, uh, the Book of Mormon is about as thick as the Bible. And you had these other three to digest also, that would be difficult. Here's our first quote. And it comes from um, Michigan, uh, um, the Theological Journal, Volume 3 was written in uh, 1992 from Plymouth, uh, Michigan Theological Seminary. And this is what this journal says. Many people in the United States are aware of the existence of groups termed cults, but most of these people do not have daily contact with them and could not provide a definition of what one is. Maybe you might have a difficulty in doing that. So here is a short, brief definition. A cult is any group professing affinity with Christianity but not holding to a biblical position on the person and our work of Christ. You see, if you're a Buddhist, you're not a cult because you don't profess any affinity with Jesus Christ and Christianity. Same would hold true for Hindus. They're not cults. Those are false religions. So again, a cult is any group professing an affinity with Christianity but not holding to a biblical position on the person and our work of Christ. Cults are constantly changing. One method repeatedly used in business marketing is that if a product sales are declining, repackage it slightly and add another ingredient and call it new and improved. And again, try to sell it. Don't you see that all the time? I mean, do you really think when you see new and improved, does that really motivate you and spur you on to just just yank that product off the shelf and get it into that basket as soon as you can because after all, it's new and improved? I think it's become a cliche. I think it's worn out. But anyway, he's going to make a, a comparison it appears some of the cults are trying the same tactic today. Cults focus on religious people who don't really know much about the Bible. Did you hear that? Which is just about everybody. 
and who really don't know much about the cult presented to them. So really they have a pretty easy job because they're talking to people who don't know much about the Bible, don't know anything about Mormonism, and it's just easy to lead them into their ideology. Mormons appear to be common, everyday people who are normal, but their beliefs are strange indeed. This is a quote from the Southern Baptist Journal of Theology, Volume 9. came out in 05. Mormons believe the eternity of creation. They believe in the eternity of creation. In other words, we know in the Bible, when we go to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That word created is bara, and it means to create something out of nothing. Well, they don't believe that. They think that matter has eternally existed. That is, that's what the eternity of creation. It means that um, there is a creation without a creator, essentially. So Mormons believe the eternity of creation, multiple gods, the pre-existence of the soul, the deification of men, and virtual universalism all seem quite bizarre. Odd practices such as secret temple proceedings, baptisms for the dead, sacred undergarments, and deep secret as to the leadership structure at the top. I did a little quick study on sacred undergarments today. Do you all know about sacred undergarments? You can go online and, and buy them. They have pictures of them, of sacred undergarments. Uh, they're, they're told uh, that these undergarments, by the way, you learn about these in the temple, and they show you the proper way to, I guess, keep them clean or use them or whatever. They have to go against the skin, and they do it to remind them of their pledge, of their promise to keep on uh, being faithful to the Mormon church and the doctrines and covenants and so forth so that eventually they indeed will be exalted and become a god. I guess it would be a good reminder if uh, you had to wear these, especially if they were wool <laughs> or some other kind. I don't know what you know they are, but uh, I'm just telling you that's what they are. And some people think that they they wear them to so that if they die, they'll be sure to go to heaven. But really, it's as a reminder. I think that would be somewhat odd. What is, the, what is that quarterback for the Miami Dolphins? Anybody know who he is? Well, we got some really sharp sports fans here, don't we? Um, I can't think of it right now. I'm not. A, I'm not a sports. Previous, I believe. Really famous. Who? No, it's not Gracie. Who? No. Well, that's all right. Oh, we just exposed to the whole world through the Internet that we are sports fan dummies, which is okay. I can't think of his name, but he wears one anyway, and they gave him a hard time about it. 
Dan Marino. Yeah, I think that's it. Dan Marino. Well, we are redeemed. What? Well, in the connection, the only connection I know of is that it's done in the temple. It's a secret deal that's done in the temple. I don't know of any connection with marriage other than that. Let's get a few Mormon facts to begin with. Mormonism was founded April 6, 1830 by Joseph Smith. There are currently 12.2 million Mormons worldwide, and more than half are outside the USA. Oh, yeah, they, they circle the globe. They believe in active proselyting by full-time volunteer missionaries. Y'all all know what proselyting is, I assume. Pardon? Everybody does or do not? Okay, you, you do. All right. Uh, they take young people. I think it's the guys are 18 and the girls are 21 when they are supposed to go out on a two-year missionary trek. And they are either supported by their parents or they have to support themselves. And you can find them literally all over the globe. You can recognize them usually here in the States. If they're riding a bicycle and wearing a tie, you can pretty well assure, be assured that's a Mormon. And so they draw from other religions lighting or other face, I should say. They believe in modern prophets and uh, beginning, of course, with, jo with Joseph Smith and continuing to today, the, the uh, modern prophet is Gordon B. Hinckley. Now, you, I hope you all recognize that the spiritual gift of prophecy was temporary and it went out by the time the canon of Scripture was completed. And you go to, you, you, where would you go to find that, by the way? 1 Corinthians 13, down there, right after talking all about love, I think it's around 12, 13, somewhere in there. If anybody adds to it, right. Okay, uh, number f the f fifth fact. They accept the Bible, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price as works of Scripture. They adhere to a strict dietary code called the Word of Wisdom, currently requiring abstinence from alcohol, tobacco, coffee, tea, and illegal drugs. Caffeinated soft drinks are left to the individual discretion. When I lived in Houston, 3822 Harland, was in a subdivision, and my next-door neighbors to my right were Mormons, fine people. And I would have their teenage daughter come over and babysit for my daughter. And we had a problem because all we had was iced tea and soft drinks. And she wound up having to drink water because they were so strict that even anything with caffeine in it would break the word of wisdom. They believe in a form of theosis called exaltation or eternal progression. 
theosis, T-H-E-O-S-I-S. And you'll understand that more as we get further into this study on Mormons. We think in terms of being saved and going to heaven. They think in terms of being exalted to Godhood status. And it's an eternal thing because of the eternal existence of souls. They formerly practiced polygamy, and some still do secretly. I read one source that they figured about 10,000 of them still are doing it. The uh, Mormon church forbids it. When, uh, when they were in Utah, uh, I f- can't remember exactly what the date was. I think Utah was the 45th state admitted into the Union, so it had to be fairly recently. Uh, one of the problems was at being admitted, they couldn't be admitted into the Union uh, if they had people practicing this polygamy, so there was great pressure put on. And I think one of the prophets got another revelation from God and said, well, it, it's, that, that doesn't, that's not so anymore or something like that, so it changed. But some of them are still doing it. Uh, they wear ceremonial temple garments under their daily clothes. I think that's probably what they would like them to be referred to, not sacred underwear, but uh, ceremonial temple garments. But I don't know what... I mean, that's not a... We're not trying to slide them. I mean, if you, what, what do you call clothes you put on under your regular clothes? You've got outerwear and you've got underwear. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> they perform baptisms for the dead and other ordinances by proxy in temples and do attendant geneo- genealogical research. You know what it means by proxy. And these are done by the hundreds of thousands, maybe even in the millions that people go into the temple, and they are baptized for somebody that has already died by proxy, and that counts because one of the things you have to do in order to be exalted to Godhood is to be baptized. And the genealogical search research is also, if you want to find anything geological-wise, find your genealogy, that's the place to go. They have the best records in the world. All Mormons are required to tithe, and the Mormon church is one of the wealthiest in the world, if not the wealthiest. They also uh, are encouraged, I think it's the two times, I don't know if it's two times a week or two times a month that they will forego uh, a meal and take the money that would be going to the meal and put it into a fund to uh, help the poor. Mormon temples circle the globe and only Mormons are admitted. Secret rituals, ceremonies are conducted there. The weddings, by the way, are done in the temple. And one of the things you have to do in order to be exalted to godhood is to have a celestial wedding in a Mormon temple. And I'll I'll explain the ramifications of that in a bit. Defectors from Mormonism... Let it be known publicly that many of the secret ceremonies in the Mormon temples are based on the secret rituals of Freemasonry. This association with Freemasonry is to be expected since most of the early Mormon leaders, including Joseph Smith, Jr., were Masons. That came from the Michigan Theological Journal, Volume 3. 
came out in 1992. Another issue that caused Mormons difficulties was their exclusion of black men from Mormon priesthoods. This exclusion was based on supposed revelation to Joseph Smith that dark skin indicated the curse of God. Uh, the Book of Mormon, Alma 3, 6 through 19 is where that is presented. President of the church, who is also a prophet, seer, and revelator, had a new revelation in 1987 that blacks now can enter the Mormon uh, Aaronic and Melchizedek priesthoods. I'm tempted to say, now isn't that convenient, but I won't do that. The following information is either uh, quotes or paraphrase from our conclusions taken from the, that should be the Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. Have any of you heard of that book or do you have it? It's an excellent book. It's probably one of the best, uh, best books on uh, cults. Now, what I'm saying is taken either, they're either quotes or paraphrase or conclusions drawn from his work. The Mormon Tabernacle Choir. How many of you have heard of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir? Everyone, right? Famous. The choir contains 350 singers with a repertoire of 810 songs. It has been on the air for over 60 years. Boy, what a way to get your name out among people. See, this is another thing that makes Mormons uh, more mainline Christian in their thinking is because they'll people, you'll probably hear some Christmas songs from the Mormon Tabernacle Choir over the radio this, this season. Mormonism has an appeal to the uneducated, but it exalts education. It has seminaries and institutes around the country, and Brigham Young University is well known. Mormons have more adherents listed in who's who in America than any other one religion. And this holds true for the scientific honor societies of our nation. Mormons' leaders have become powerful in almost all branches of American government. So we have some movers and shakers in all these fields with regards to Mormons. I think, what do we have, two presidential candidates to the Republican Party right now that are professed Mormons? When you, when you see what they believe, it seems it seems odd that you would have well-educated people who are well-read and, and just articulate, smart people that get into the Mormon church, but that is the case. They are Mormonism hasn't spread like wildfire because they're only getting uneducated people. The author of the Book of Mormon was a prophet named Mormon, its purpose was to record the history of two ancient civilizations. Now here we're getting into, what are we talking about? How does this come about? How did Mormonism come about? And he's giving you the nuts and bolts of it. So the Book of Mormon, its purpose was to record the history of two ancient civilizations located on the American continent. One of the civilizations left the Tower of Babel. This is one of the, the first one, supposedly left the Tower of Babel in 2250 B.C. These people were known as the Jaredites who were punished as a result of corruption and their civilization underwent total destruction. Now this is, and in the Book of Mormon it tells about these people, the Jaredites, and this is who they 
or where they supposedly came from the Tower of Babel. The second civilization, <coughs> this should be was, was allegedly righteous Jews who left Jerusalem. So uh, they allegedly were righteous Jews who left Jerusalem around 600 B.C., before the destruction of the city of Babylon, or by the city of Babylon. The leader of this group was named Nephi. This group eventually divided into two warring camps, the Nephites and the Lamanites. And the Lamanites were considered to be what we call the Native Americans or Indians. The Lamanites received a curse because of their evil deeds, and the curse took the form of dark skins. The Mormon record claims that Christ visited the American continent, revealed himself to the Nephites, preached to them the gospel, and instituted both baptism and com the communion service. The Nephites, however, were no match for the Lamanites, and they were annihilated in a great battle near Hill Cumorah in Palmyra, New York in 385 A.D. Some 1,400 years later, the Mormons claimed that Joseph Smith found golden plates which were written in Egyptian hieroglyphics. He used supernatural glasses to translate them into English, and it thus became the Book of Mormon, which was published in 1830. <laughs> the Book of Mormon purports to portray the rise and development of two great civilizations. Mormon 1.7 says the whole face of the land had become covered with buildings and the people were numerous, almost as it were the sand of the sea. Mormon 6.10 through 15 speaks of swords, breastplates, arm shields, shields, headplates, and armor. And some 38 cities are cataloged in the Book of Mormon. There were two full pages listing nothing but, but uh, scriptures like this to show how prevalent and pervasive these peoples were over the North American continent, mainly you know, in the United States. Eminent scientists, archaeologists, uh, and anthropologists have studied, researched, and analyzed the claims of the Book of Mormon and found no evidence to support its claims. They have come to the conclusion that the Book of Mormon is neither accurate or truthful. Now, this isn't coming from a theological standpoint. This is coming from scientists, uh, archaeologists, and anthropologists. See, here's the thing. This great battle that took place near uh, Hill Cumorah in New York, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of warriors clashing that had all these armaments. And... You go there and you dig all around there today and you don't find a sword. You don't see a spear, a shield where these cities supposedly were. You don't see any pottery. You don't see a spoon, a dish, nothing. There is zero archaeological evidence that any of these things ever happened. It doesn't make you feel good when you study the Bible and the places for the most, in a lot of cases, are the same places that they, that they are today. They're named the same places. Uh, 
and you go there, and they are what they call tells, where they can just keep digging down, and they go through the strata, and they can tell who lives there and what. They've got tons of archaeological uh, evidence that really supports the Bible. Dr. Odell Brown, a Methodist pastor, wrote a letter to the Department of Anthropology of Columbia University in 1957 regarding the authenticity of the claims made in the Book of Mormon. Part of the reply follows. This is a little part. This was a letter that was written by the University. I do not believe a single value the American Indian little tits you take by letters. Many not on yet. American Indians, horses, dogs, and yet they'll do. There are deep and milk bunnies. And all, I just, for the sake of gravity, the dozens and dozens of verses included in the Book of Mormon, scientifically, no things until after Columbus came. A little bit of here. To careful study of the Book of Mormon, it's 25,000 miles. In fact, verbatim quotations for many years. So there was a lot of them. Fact, they recommend that contradict acts in the Bible are numerous. Time space in Alchibim instead of Bethlehem. The three nine two says the remission of sins is the result of baptism. The direct you have have four books that you use as your these are your scriptures, and they all have to essentially harmonize. Got a monumental problem. Not only do do they not harmonize, the, well they don't harm another. The Book of Mormon doctrine of cover. If things been strange now, buckle your feet. Here is the the keynote. Bet in Mormon governments was as may be the entire theology was on this axiom, right? I have quite the Mormon Don D I H in gave what has been said L D S, that's the uh last scene. Scott the finest he possesses body, parts, and passions. Then a word, God is an Second, we believe in plurality somewhere and at some time in the ages to come through development, through enlargement, through purification until perfection is attained, man at least becomes like God, a God. And that's with a capital G. This statement, though not part of the canonical Mormon scripture, is merely a dis distillation of what Smith had already articulated the book of Abraham and in his statements in Doctrines and Covenants, according to the Southern Baptist Journal Theology, Volume 9, came out in 2005. Now, the following information is paraphrasing the quotes taken from Mormonism, What You Need to Know, Quick, quick Reference Guide by Ed Decker. Now, here we go. Are you ready? Mormons believe trillions of planets scattered throughout the cosmos are ruled by countless gods who once were human like us. Elohim was one of their offsprings who, through obedience to Mormon teaching, was elevated to godhood status. He lives with his many wives on a mysterious star called Kolob where they produce billions of spirit children. A heavenly council was called to build a place where the spirit children would be sent to learn good from evil. The two older sons of Elohim, Lucifer and Jesus, both wanted to become the savior of the new world. 
Satan's plan was to force everyone to become gods, whereas Jesus' plan would give them the freedom to choose for themselves. A vote was taken and it was decided that Jesus would become the Savior of the world. Now you can imagine this did not make Lucifer a happy camper. So he convinced one-third of the spirit children to revolt and fight against Jesus. Lucifer became the devil and his followers became demons. Therefore, they were forever denied bodies of flesh and bone. Do you see little bits and blurbs of biblical concepts in here? Mixing a little truth in here as it goes? Those who were ne neutral in the battle were cursed to be born with black skin. The spirits that fought most valiantly would be born into Mormon families. They would be born with lighter skin, which the Book of Mormon calls white and delightsome. We've got a lot of delightsome people in here, at least according to your skin. Elohim and one of his goddess, goddess wives came to earth as Adam and Eve to start the human race. Thousands of years later, he came again in human form Listen to that. In human form to earth to have physical relations with Mary to provide Jesus with a physical body. It's hard for me to read this. It's also blasphemous. But I want you to know this is Mormon ideology. Here's a quote from the Brigham Young Journal of Discourse, Volume 1, page 50. When our father Abraham came into the Garden of Eden, he came in to it with a celestial body. Oh, excuse me, what did I say? Abraham, okay, I'm sorry, Adam, thank you. When our father Adam came in the garden of Eden, he came into it with a celestial body and brought Eve, one of his wives, with him. He is Michael, the archangel, the ancient of days, about whom holy men have written and spoken. He is our father and our God, and the only God we have anything to do with. Oh. Yeah, so uh, you get it? Elohim came and became Adam, and Adam was really Michael the archangel, and we are to, he is their God. He says, this is from Brigham Young University. I mean, from Brigham Young was one of their prophets. This is what he wrote. Jesus supposedly took at least three wives before he went to the cross and fathered a number of children, including Joseph Smith, one of his descendants. The resurrected Christ supposedly came to America to preach to the American Indians and establish his church here. Do you know why it's so important that Christ, Christ had to be married? Because in Mormon theology, you can't... Be exalted to godhood unless you have a celestial marriage. That's a heavenly marriage which you, takes place these days in Mormon temples. And so it says that he had at least three wives and I don't know how many children, but evidently they think Joseph Smith was one of them, uh, one of his descendants. The records of the Nephites were said to have been written on golden plates and buried at... Hilkamor by Moroni, the last living Nephite. Something I don't have here. That just another thing that's kind of convenient was uh, Joseph Smith was told, don't show the golden plates to anybody. Which he was faithful. He did not show. 
nor the supernatural glasses that enabled him to translate the Egyptian hieroglyphics. When Joseph Smith dug up these golden plates 1,400 years later, Jesus Christ supposedly commanded him to organize the Mormon church because all Christian churches had become apostate. Mormons believe that they must stand before Joseph Smith, the Mormon Jesus, and Elohim for a final judgment to determine, to determine if they will be elevated to godhood in the celestial kingdom and rule over other planets and spawn new families throughout eternity. Mormons who don't make it to godhood and non-Mormons who abide by the laws uh, they know such as the Ten Commandments will go to the terrestrial kingdom. Now if we get time I'll tell you more about these kingdoms. There's a third one too. There's a celestial, a terrestrial, and a telestial. But you know I see so many parallels to the Bible. How many heavens are there? There's three heavens. And they have three levels. Of course, we know that the first heaven is our atmosphere, the second heaven is the galaxies, the celestial sphere, and then the third is where God resides. Mormons say they believe in grace. We labor diligently to write, to persuade our children. Uh, by the way, uh, let me give you where this comes from. What the Mormons think of Christ by B.R. McConkie, pages 27 through 33. He says, we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all that we can do. You see that last part? Sounds pretty good up in that part. So when they're talking about that they believe in grace, that's it. They believe that in Christ, they can be reconciled to God. For we know it is that by grace that we are saved after all that we can do. Then uh, salvation in the kingdom of God is available because of the atoning blood of Christ. But it is received only on condition of faith, repentance, baptism, and enduring to the end in keeping the commandments of God. Again, look at all these conditions. Remember when we were going over Catholicism? This grace is parceled out based on you complying with all of the things that they require, which is totally contradictory to the definition of grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. If you deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. No, this is a, a, this is a guy named B.R. McConaughey. McConkey, what Mormons think of Christ, he's doing, he did a research and he is recording what he found. Right. Now, are y'all ready for a little truth? What does the Bible say? Okay, now this is where if you want to make some notes, if you talk to a Mormon, again, we are not trying to bash Mormons at all. I really feel sorry for them. I, maybe that's not the right term. I, I have a, uh, uh, they have bought the lie, and they are very, most of them sincere, and just follows to the T everything that is required of them. And they really believe these things. I don't know how they can, but they can. They do. 
Okay, what does the Bible say? Let's start with salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I don't even need to quote that to you because you all know it. That one puts a stake through the heart of any religion. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And of course, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I could list 20 more, but I'm not going to do it because I think that would be a waste of time. Y'all all know these anyway. How about there's only one true God? Look at this. Isaiah 43, verses 10 through 11. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. Whew! That pretty well slams the door, but he, the, 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 we're just getting started. Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last, and there is no God besides me. Isaiah 45, 5. I am the Lord, and there is no other besides me. There is no God. Isaiah 45, 6. Men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Isaiah 45:14. Surely God is with you, and there is none else, no other God. Isaiah 45:18. For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens. He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. And by the way there, that word create right there is bara, out of nothing. Isaiah 45, 21 through 22. There is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. Isaiah 46, 9. Remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. You, you get the point? Huh? If you ever talk to a Jehovah, I mean a, a Mormon, just get your Bibles and turn to Isaiah 45. I've got mine underlined every time, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no other. I think six times in that chapter it says that. How about God being a man with flesh and bones? That's what they believe. John 4, 24. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. 2 Corinthians three seventeen. Now the Lord is the Spirit... And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 1 Timothy 1.17 Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, hear that? The only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. I love that song that we sing. Jesus 
They're talking about
and you are full of grace, grace and mercy. And we just pray that we will be able to, in our own way, in our own words, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to convey the gift of salvation to so many people who have believed the lie. We pray that you will motivate us to do this and prepare us as we go through this study. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.